This episode is sponsored by Permission.io and Bittrex Global. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. Good morning. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where twice a week I get to dive deep with some of crypto's coolest people and most influential leaders and brilliant, smartest, funny, cool. I feel like I'm describing myself, right? No, like uh, those who are going to teach us and entertain us and show us where we are going and how we really got here and how this movement came to be. Thank you so much for joining me today. Joe, you you are the founder and uh, uh, CEO of, of Sparax. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today about consensus models and consensus algorithms. Uh, you're a senior at UCLA. And when I was doing the research and getting the show together, I was taken aback because when you get into this industry and you're in college, you're going to be working in this industry for the rest of your life. and one of the the things that I kind of go and I, and I'm very I did the same thing as you. Um, I went from school directly into a crypto, and I've had no like adult life outside of crypto. So my uh, so when I was doing the research and getting the show ready, I was excited to talk to you because I almost want to know if you've had the opportunity to know who you are outside of crypto, uh, outside of Bitcoin. And if you're planning on like trying to maintain a sense of self outside of it, because you know, and we all know, once you get in that rabbit hole, you're in it. You spend all, we spend all of our waking time and moment. And now, especially uh, the time in, the time that we're in, uh, it's, it's consuming. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good question. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, people have thought of like, um, yeah, you just go to the crypto space. Do you have ever have the chance to try other things? Uh, my answer is definitely yes. I mean, like in my freshman year, I, I'm like kind of to like my dream job is a philosopher, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm very into Buddhism. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah, uh, want to be a monk. Uh, when I'm in the freshman year, so I study philosophy, I study history, and uh, after two years about studying them. I just came, it just came to me, you have to really go into the world first, then you reflect on how the world goes. So that's why my go to the industry to be a entrepreneur, uh, instead of a, like a thinking guy, I'm trying to do a doing guy. So, and also in my junior year, I met uh, a couple of people. One of them, uh, also the founder of Sparex. My job is, I, yeah, we don't really uh, say who is the CEO, who is the C- C- CTO stuff. We uh, yeah, kind of it's a group of people try to uh, come about with really good projects. So in uh, 2019, January, uh, that's how the project starts. We have a, a really concrete idea on how blockchain consensus might be improved uh, based on our analysis of the current um, protocols. And at that time, we think it's maybe a good time to um, have a project because we think our idea is mature enough. And we also submit our uh, consensus protocol to uh, IEEE conference, and it is got admitted uh, this year. Actually, I'm the presenter of that paper. So uh, oh, very in cool. 2019, January, we think our idea is concrete enough to have a project. And I'm really excited to work with those uh, cool people like Jerry and a couple of more. 
So that's how the story begins. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I used to want to be a philosopher. I want, still want to be a philosopher now. Um, but I think the best way to understand the world is really to experience it. So that's why I go to the crypto and have meet all those fun people, including you. I can definitely I see yeah. like yeah. in like 40 years, we all become monks and we're living on some mountain somewhere. And it's like, who are these people? And it's like, oh, they were the, the early crypto people, you know? And they, <laughs> the, uh, it's interesting too, because uh, a friend of mine, He's the CEO of a very large uh, Bitcoin infrastructure company that launched in 2016. And they're a very big company now, like 70 employees. He actually was a celibate Buddhist monk for years before he got into crypto. Now he has like eight kids. But yeah. Um, and we've talked about this actually a lot, too. And he came to the same conclusions that you just came to. And it's actually why I say, you know, I get to talk to a billion people. You came to to this conclusion at a very young age, uh, he said that you have to go into the world first to understand the world. You can't, he, you know, he went straight out of school. He did some work, but then he, you know, uh, I don't know what the process is of becoming a monk. I think, you know, my ignorance, I don't want to say anything to show my ignorance, but essentially became a monk. And then for years, and I don't know what the process is of leaving that and whatever, whatever. But the point is that you need to like, he said, at least be in the world, figure out who you are, what we all are, and then he can go back and kind of like internally think and reflect. But why do you want to be a philosopher? And how do you make I mean, money doing that? Um, I mean, yeah, I think you don't really want to make money. I mean, when you, I mean, uh, if you're a dreamer, you're a philosopher, you don't really think about like making money is the biggest, biggest thing in your life. Uh, it's mostly because of like I uh, people want to try to understand why they are here in the world, so they reflect on the reality they are experiencing. They try to understand themselves, understand the world, understand the other. Uh, like people you love, you care. Uh, like why, why, why the hell the world is like this? I mean, um, so yeah, that's how it get all started. I mean. It's not about making money, but making money is a really big thing in the life because you cannot survive without making money, right? Um, but uh, survival is one thing, um, and like try to find some meaning in life, maybe it's another thing. Um, so yeah, there's some people why some people maybe want to reflect on the life. I know, I mean, in yeah, uh, but I mean, isn't it? Cars, mm -hmm. No, you finish. Oh yeah, I mean it's fine. I mean yeah, I mean our current society maybe think of yeah it's more um i would say not that uh, philosophical anymore uh maybe like 200 years ago people kind of more philosophical uh now people just care less about this part of the life um but uh i mean there are some outliers i mean i think one i am one of them <laughs> i'm just the outlier of the uh, current world kind of yeah like still try to stick to the old style old school style just yeah. to reflect on the meaning of life stuff so um, that's why i have these uh, um like dreams kind of this way of living when we're younger we uh we think about this more and then as we get older uh, life takes over we have less time to think and read and we have to make money for survival and we get caught up in in the enjoyments of the world. Some people think that kind of seeking the point of life or seeking meaning while is very virtuous uh, while you're living, 
because you become philanthrop, uh, you become like a uh, philanthropist, you're charitable, you become a good person, you, you, your incentivization, if you become a politician or like a person of power, your incentivization is, you know, is good and it's not, you know, your agenda is not money or whatever. But a lot of people would say that like kind of seeking the point, seeking the meaning of life is almost pointless because when you, when you were born, it's like walking into an amusement park and when you die, it's like you leave that amusement park. So you might as well just enjoy the ride while you're here. What do you think to that? Uh, I'm always like, I have a kind of a belief which might be different from many other people. I I don't think like our life just have one life. Kind of, it's kind of strange to me. We just have this short one life. Um, yeah, so it's kind of one of my beliefs. I think it's called a, a re reincarnation i think in english right so like you yeah, have can you go a little bit more into it for this life so basically uh like uh, i think it's a indian idea yeah. uh, or, uh originally so you don't only have a one life life and death is not like uh death is not the end of you basically it's just of this travel and you will have another travel after this life so yeah and Based on their idea, the Indian ideas, like your next travel is kind of totally determined by this travel. <laughs> like what you did uh, during this travel, this life uh, determines the next life you will experience. But uh, this part, it still can be discussed. But uh, uh, I don't really think like you or me will just and totally disappear after this life. So that's kind of one thing why I do not really go to the enjoying, just enjoying part. Yeah. I want to agree with you. I want to, like, I want that to be accurate. And, uh, I grew up in a very religious community that mm -hmm. taught very similar things to what you just said. And I studied that for years and years and years. And I guess when there are things that you want so badly, you almost have to pretend that you're not going to get it because you don't want to get too excited. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's exciting to think about the next life. It's exciting to think about uh, doing good because there could be a heaven or a reincarnation. But can't, can humans just do good for the sake of doing good and not because we want to do it for like a next life? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, there's really... A really different situation, like the one is the first one is people do good things because they want a bigger reward in later this life or next life or anything. The second thing is they do good things because they think it is worthwhile doing good things. This is very different, yeah, uh, philosophically, uh, ethically. So yeah, I totally agree with you. The uh, uh, really good people just do good things because it is good, right? Um, and uh, I think, yeah, this is a really good point. And second uh, thing is, uh, yeah, it is a good way to distinguish this group, two group of people. But uh, I mean, people are ambiguous, I would say. Like yeah. you are not just like well, always fixed to one group or one, I mean, uh, ca character. You are Yeah, I see what complex. you mean. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. People should do good things because just because it is good. But uh, I mean, they're just naturally we will have thinking about other way when we do good things, right? How do you view trust, right? Like outside of crypto, 
So tr- how do you view like personally or in your life? Like where do you see trust as being an integral? Should humans strive for? Yeah, my question is, should humans strive towards trusting each other? Or should we be striving towards building out? And I guess everyone knows my answer here. Building out infrastructure that doesn't require us to have to trust each other. Um, I mean, yeah. So first, I think uh, trust is a fundamental need of human beings. Like we need trust because without trust, we are just so lonely. We cannot survive, basically. And second thing, we there are so many um, things we have to uh, think about when we before we trust another person, right? Uh, you have to like uh, kind of judge uh, him or her first, like whether I should trust this person, right? Yeah. So there's this fundamental. Um, conflict between like trust and uh i mean doubt i would say uh and i think one thing i find really worth doing is we try to find a environment a try to build a platform or environment in which people can uh trust each other so this is what like one aspect of building a good society from my perspective my understanding is we want a good society which means people can trust each other uh in an easy way that is a one of the definition in a oh, good society. I, no i like that let's keep going on that we want to make trust easier so you don't want to remove yes. trust we want to make trust would you would you say more efficient uh not more efficient but like people can more easily trust into e- each other i mean if i i mean like as a from the perspective of a uh, society designer i mean uh I think one one of his uh, like thinking point or starting point of his thinking will be how should I make this society more more efficient, right? But um, another a- aspect, as I just said, I think if you believe trust is one fundamental good in human society, and you try to facilitate the trust, that's job of a uh, governor or a uh, the designer of any community, then I think in the blockchain world, we have found a good uh, technology, a realistic way to facilitate the trust between people. I think that is a very important thing. I mean, people have desires, they want to trust each other, but we, uh, as the builder of the future, or a designer of a community, we try to facilitate to help people trust each other. That's what we found in uh, blockchain technology. We uh, think it's really exciting and we want to explore more of this part. So like that's, thank you for giving me the the perfect transition over to blockchain and trust because that's kind of what I was uh, leaning in towards. Here we have these consensus algorithms, but really, uh, and what I mean by that is proof of work, proof of stake, delegated proof of stake, so many, hundreds of yes. thousands of them. I, I actually tried to create my own called proof of brain, which is really just <laughs> like a fork of delegated proof of stake. And I've not been able to figure out how to harness brain power into proof of work yet. And that's what proof of brain will be because, and that's a whole nother conversation. But, and I own proofofbrain.com if someone's going to try to register that. Don't, because it's mine. But essentially, consensus algorithms are the digital or the uh, uh, the next way for us to have trust on the internet, not just with money, but with 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 everything, because yes. it's, it makes it easier. Just like everything we just talked about, 
So what is wrong in your opinion or what, not what is wrong, but where do you see the inefficiencies or some of the problems with proof of work that uh, is used today uh, with Bitcoin? It's a crazy world when I tell you that everything we say, do, hear, see, sleep, everything that we uh, interact with the world is being constantly listened to, packaged up and sold to other people without our permission. But we already know that. Don't you're you're not in your head. We know that. Why are we okay with it? We shouldn't be. We're not getting paid for any of that. Well, my sponsor, permission.io, actually a very cool company, and you could check them out at permission.io forward slash Charlie. They figured out a way for you to get a piece of the action because advertisers are gonna be targeting you no matter what. And now you can decide which advertisers are able to do so by granting them specific permission, and then you get a piece of the action. So you're like basically earning rewards for doing what you already do online, consuming the content and sharing all your favorite information. Now, right at this minute, only these tech giants are profiting from your data. You have all these like uh, Cambridge Analytica and all these like uh, crazy files that are coming out with how our data is being used against us to spin elections and fake news and blah, blah, blah. With my sponsor, Permission.io, that is about to change. If anything, check it out. It's so cool what they're doing and how they're doing it. You can get a special sneak peek at Permission.io forward slash Charlie. And thank you guys. Thank you, Permission team, so much for sponsoring and allowing me to do what I love to do and to do this show. So for many of the countries that Bittrex Global serves. There's no easy way for investors to purchase stocks like Apple, Tesla. In fact, just the other day, I personally wanted to get involved in the Airbnb IPO, but I couldn't. There's no way to get tokenized stocks. Or is there? This will be the first and only way that Bittrex Global customers can access the U.S. stock market and legally own U.S. stocks from anywhere in the world. Tokenized stocks. It is so cool. So these shares are tokenized and it's possible to buy like a fractionized portion of a stock. So for example, like Berkshire Hathaway, I think trades at $300,000 a share. Now through Bittrex Global, you can actually just buy $300 worth or $500 worth. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good question. I mean, proof of work is the classic uh, consistent protocol, I'll say. Uh, it's like in 20. Uh, 2008, I think the paper by uh, Satoshi, I think he uh, first came up with this idea, excellent idea of proof of work, which means you need to uh, prove your work down to prove your uh, trustability, basically. So, uh, but the thing is now, uh, there are two problems, basically. First is the problem I think everyone would know, the energy problem. So I think yeah. there's a report I read. I think the Bitcoin, the mining, it consumed the electricity um, per year, like I think one million country. I think uh, Austria has the example in that paper, uh, which is just crazy. I mean, um, the electricity cost. Um, second thing is a one uh, basic idea or essential idea uh, blockchain want to uh, realize is decentralization. And now we we find out the proof of work is uh, decentralized in the way that uh, you can have different machines running the same blockchain. But uh, essentially, decentralization should mean uh, the people with less re resources or power should have a fair participation in the system. But now in the proof of work system, like. Uh, we can say the computational power is very centralized, which means 
people only people with great amount of resources can like have the fair influence in the system, which really self defeating. So it defeats the decentralization ideas uh, of the Bitcoin. So we need to, uh, yeah. So as a block, as a crypto people, I mean crypto person, we try to we all believe in decentralization can make the world better. So we want to fix uh, the Bitcoin of proof of work problem right now. So that's why we come up with so many different consensus. We don't think a proof of work, yeah, it's a good idea, but uh, we should go beyond proof of work. So we have proof of stake, proof of deal, DPoS, et cetera, et cetera. And we have BDLS right now. So that's our protocol. So, yeah. Tell me about BDLS. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, so BDLS is a, so you will say, why BDLS? The name is kind of weird. <laughs> BDLS just it's not random. P-O, P-O-W, <laughs> proof of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not O, not P, right? So, yeah, because it originates from a, a protocol, DLS protocol. Like, it's like the uh, um, acronym of the uh, modern cryptographer. Um, so uh, I think uh, Dwork, uh, Lynch, and uh, Stackmeter. So these uh, three guys, so DLS. So they have this uh, protocol, really fancy one, which is the first um, good protocol in a realistic environment. So hmm. I'll explain what is a really good one, Why? Wh- what I really mean by good, what I really mean by a realistic internet. So our internet is definitely not synchronous all the time, right? Our connection can go bad, right? Like you cannot hear me like at the beginning of this recording, right? Yeah, so, well, that was my fault. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, so yeah, I think, yeah, and now I think uh, in the academia, people think the best model to... Um, uh, depict the uh, internet is called a type two partially asynchronous network. So a partially synchronous one. And there are some types. The type two is the best. So, uh, type two partially asynchronous that, na- uh, network is, I think, the, so far the best model to, um, simulate the real internet. So, uh, many, um, uh, proof of what, uh, PO what, uh, protocols they uh, proof usually of what yeah like proof okay. of x yeah proof of x okay, yeah. pos pow etc so they uh yeah they don't really think about because uh, i think they are just experimenting on the idea so they usually just adopt a synchronous one it's that's much more easier to um for them to design the protocol there are much more space but in a partially asynchronous one there are so many restraints you have to consider when you consider that when you design the protocol uh, so this is our starting point. It's a more realistic model. Uh, second one, what mean? What do we mean by good? So DLS, these three guys, uh, Dwork, Lynch, and Stockmayer, they have the they came up with the first uh, consensus protocol, which really works in the uh, partially asynchronous network, the real the realistic model. But the thing is, their um, communication and run complexity are so big, which means they cannot go to a real business. So it's just a academic experiment, but uh, just cannot be used in the real business world. So what we did is we uh, modified it to make it realistic, to have uh, the uh, good, uh, the performance of the protocol good enough that uh, uh, this uh, protocol can first have still have the uh, security standard, which means it will be safe in the partially asynchronous network. Second, it is has good performance, then it can be used in the true business role. So we say it's a 
blockchain version of the DLS protocol. So B DLS protocol. Uh, it's not a random name. It has its origin. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain what a type two partial uh, synchronous network is and and how it's because uh, I was doing some research as you were talking. Um, and as far as I understand, uh, it relies on all computers in the network uh, uh, talking to each other at an unknown uh, syncing time. And that's to prevent like denial of service attacks and things like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you are definitely in the right direction. Uh, more regular, more rigorously speaking, uh, a type two of asynchronous, uh, partially asynchronous network is uh, you can basically divide the uh, network into two different time periods. So, okay. And the transition point is called GST, a uh, global stabilization time. So before the GST, it is asynchronous. And after the GST, it is synchronous. And one key point is nobody know when this GST point will start. So it is a problem, right? It is not an easy task to handle. Uh, so, I mean, that's why you need some people to design a solution a protocol to solve it, right? So this is kind of the right idea. So you're idea thinking, of, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but you're thinking that some of this technology that we're using now uh, and uh, to bring it all together, uh, using this consensus algorithm, using BDLS, potentially for the future, you can have the ability for all computers or, 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 or any uh, type of infrastructure that's part of a network to communicate with each other and to communicate with the outside world and have it be public, but you can have all these, all, the whole network talking to each other and it go from being asynchronous to synchronous. And the point that it does this is unknown to everyone except for those on the network and they don't even know until the actual point in time. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's brilliant. So, that's like the, this is the first time that I've ever heard of Byzantine fault tolerance and some of the, the technology that, that we started to really pay attention to 10 years ago with the, ad, with the invention of Bitcoin being actually used to power the future of the internet as we use it today. Because we've been seeing that, but up until now, really, like I have not heard a good, uh, like a good mechanism or really like a good, uh, really good solution to that. And this is actually awesome. How, what type of, uh, you talk about, you talk about giving, you're giving a presentation to the IEEE. Uh, yeah. What type of reception do you get about this? Like, like what, uh, yeah, that's like my question. What type of reception do you get from people? Um, I mean, people are definitely excited. I mean, uh, we also upload our video in our channels and, uh, I mean, in the presentation, because, uh, it is like this year's IEEE Infocom. So IEEE has many conferences. One of them like related to blockchain is uh, Infocom and one of the top of them. And uh, this year is in Canada, Toronto. Uh, but because of the COVID-19 stuff, um, it goes to online, unfortunately, or fortunately for some people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I basically do a virtual presentation. And uh, I mean, people are excited about these ideas and uh, also have the chance to uh, talk with other people working in the industry and like academia in blockchain. And uh, we really get a really good conversation. I mean, things go pretty well. What do you think about how... So you talk about uh, uh, consensus algorithms. We talk about proof of stake and proof of work. Um, and we talk about the genesis. 
most people believe that the distribution and how fair the genesis is of any blockchain, it really matters for the future of that project or that consensus algorithm. So like how proof of work is initially distributed, how proof of stake, you know, you have a blockchain that starts off. Proof of stake is largely not fair, uh, especially when you have known information by only a few parties. Uh, what does a genesis look like for something like this? How do you uh, prevent the being tainted by being unfair? Um, I'll say first of all, I mean, uh, BDLS is the finality gadget of the protocol, which means it has to be uh, worked with another part. So our okay. protocol uh, to be complete is POS plus BDLS, so BFT-based POS protocol. So it's essentially the basic type is POS. So, I mean, you have a really good uh, point. I mean, uh, the Genesis block, people care about how the initial distribution is. Uh, my uh, point of view of this uh, question or this issue is, first, uh, the Genesis is one thing to consider. But the second thing is um, you need to think about the uh, protocol itself and also how this protocol will go. So if you are really concerned about the uh, token distribution, then you should first look up their econ white, white paper. So token distribution or unlocking schedule. It will tell you like what uh, initial distribution is in the Genesis block um, and how the thing will go, like how will, how much uh, proportion of the total token will go to the miners and to, I mean, uh, like other um, categories. That's one thing you should look at. And if you really care about other things beyond a token distribution on the Genesis block, then I'll say maybe a better way to uh, uh, to uh, address your concern is to just go to a white paper, say, to just look at, read our white, white paper to say how the things will, will, will go. But uh, I mean, Genesis block is definitely one thing people need to take care of. What do you think of proof of stake? I mean, what are your thoughts on it in general? I was doing a little bit of a rant before the show on Twitter about about physics and energy as it relates to proof of stake. Yeah, I mean, I think proof of stake is the the basically it's the future. So uh, it is a more realistic way to realize decentralization. Also, makes things a real business by uh, real decentralization. I mean, you don't need a super powerful machine to run the blockchain in your like at your home so you have your pc and you don't really it don't not that does not really require a uh extra normal uh computational power in your machine so this is one thing like from the decentralization point of view second thing i think pos has uh give the designer the protocol designer or the project designer more space to think about their business model rather than the POS or POW one. So POW is like uh, the freedom. Uh, yeah, from my experience, like uh, when you go POS, then you have more freedom when you design your project, your distribution, the whole business model. So uh, from my point of view, it is definitely the future. Uh, first, because of it is a uh, the most realistic way to realize decentralization. Second, it is a good business model. So that's my point of view. But you talked about you talk about long range attacks in the long run. 
in your presentation, and then you talk about how proof of authenticated randomness solves this problem. If we're going to be uh, switching over, you know, you take something like Ethereum, that's the number two right now, and we're going to be switching over uh, from proof of work to proof of stake in ETH2 using its validator model. Mm -hmm. uh, shouldn't we be spending a lot more time trying to, to, to fix proof of stake? I honestly think proof of stake is a worse consensus uh, model uh -huh. than proof of work, to be honest. Like, I, and it's not to, that's not a maximalism thing to say because I won't say, I, most, if you talk to Bitcoin developers and you talk to uh, people that have been involved in the space and you talk to anyone, uh, no one's going to say that proof of work will be the end all be all. It's always mm -hmm. going to be uh, growing and people like you will come up with with better algorithms and, you know, uh, with quantum computing and 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 better efficient networks. Uh, we may uh, upgrade the consensus algorithm or do something different. Uh, so I guess it's kind of odd to me when I've spent so much time thinking and saying to myself, well, well, why not go to a better one? It's like almost regressing going to proof of stake. Hmm. I'm going to so, get really bad emails now mm -hmm. from people telling me I'm an idiot for saying that, but I don't care. Mm -hmm. So, so I think your point is how, why do we not just upgrade proof of work instead of like going to another proof of stake or anything? Right? No, I, we can go to something else. It's proof of stake that I have a problem with specifically. Uh, Authenticated randomness. We listen. Uh, proof of work is is not perfect because you have uh, privacy issues when it comes to meta metadata and things like that. Uh, there are some inefficiencies. Proof of work focuses more on security and less on speed and scalability. So it's going to be upgraded. It's going to be worked on. It's going to be changed. But I guess my question, not my question, is my thought, and I'd like for you to comment on this: is like why proof of stake? Why is everyone focusing on? Proof of stake. Why is every blockchain launching with proof of stake and people working on that? It defies the laws of physics. It doesn't work <laughs> in the long run. And it's permissioned. Proof of stake is a permissioned blockchain because the supply uh -huh. is controlled by a specific amount of people that are staking and they can choose to not put any more supply out there for sale or even for not for sale. And they control everything. I mean, yeah, I think there are mm, two things I can, uh, yeah, I mean, first, I think it's a really good thought. And second, I think I have a couple of uh, comments. So like, uh, first, I think for um, permissionlessness, uh, this, they, this specific point, I think uh, it is still a public blockchain. It is, it is still open to everyone. I think your concern is if uh, a small group of people, they control all the token and they... Yeah. Uh, just stake, or they yeah. So people can the other people they just cannot participate in the system anymore. Uh, I think one thing is the uh, token are not all distributed in the genesis uh, on day one. It is like mined by people uh, from day one. It is yes. gradually unlocked. So there's uh, plenty of opportunity for people to have the token. And second, as the uh, project, the the project group, the team. They don't. They don't really want to see uh, their decentralized idea of like just totally defeat by a small group of people. So they will come up a way to uh, solve this problem. We will not like. Um, so like from Spherex, we really do not want this happen. So we will not like say the Genesis blocks only controlled by a little 
group of people, we won't do that. We will do some airdrop thing to make the digital, right? So that is, th- this goes to the second point. I mean, POS just give more freedom. Uh, the business model just is, uh, yeah. there's so many space to handle on um, compared to proof of work. So uh, if a good team come up with a good idea, POS will be the one they will realize the idea because it has more space. That's my, yeah, thought on this but- point. Thank you so much for for taking the time and uh, explaining to us uh, how this will really power the underbelly and the infrastructure of the Internet of the future. And I'm not just saying that like it's like an outlandish thing, but we've talked about how that's actually going to be. So thank you uh, uh, for coming on the show today and for doing that. And how can my listeners follow your work and what you're doing? Uh, first, thank you for having me. And uh, like, if you want to like uh, read more about uh, our team's uh, ideas, and also like um, just to uh, talk with us, we have fun people. Just have fun with us. So uh, there are some channels you can go to. So first, if you want a more like a- academic one or like more technology focused, you can go to our media channel. We will publish a research blog every week or bi-weekly. And that's a really good way to go. And also you can uh, discuss with our researchers. Uh, they are excellent people uh, to share your ideas, your comments on our research blog. This is one thing to go. Second, we have really found people uh, maintaining our Twitter account. So just talk with them on our Twitter. Um, that's another way to go. And thir- thirdly, I would say we have uh, Telegram groups in English, in Korean, in Chinese, and also I think a couple of more. So you can always join our Telegram group to have a fun conversation with our SpurX from people. So yeah, I think that's the way you can go. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll have all the information in the show notes. Thank you, Joe. And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you.